Welcome to the Opera Biz Podcast, uncut and unfiltered, where we hang out with opera professionals and talk about life inside the industry. I'm your host, Daniel Welch. We're on location at my favorite Upper West Side beer bar, Gibbard's Beer Culture on West 72nd, and today I'm joined by mezzo-soprano and fellow nerd, Christy Swan. Careful not to make this turn into like a therapy session. Oh, no, that's totally allowed. People enjoy the anecdotes. She's an awkward <laughs> so, one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because. Thank you. you know, when by I, the way, thank you. I, I appreciate you coming out and I don't, you know, you coming know, straight from rehearsal at the Met. Yeah, to, you, gotta, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost. One of the things I want to do is that, you know, I, I work with undergrad and grad students in young artist programs and stuff, and I talk about the people that I hang out with that are, that are top-tier singers, like yourself, and, and they just, you know, you, you idolize those who come before you, mm-hmm. and there's something refreshing about seeing how real people mm-hmm. are. Especially those that you idolize, are like, oh, this isn't just somebody I can put on a pedestal. This is somebody I can actually yeah. consider being in the future because yeah. they're a real human being. Yep. <laughs> they they do have flaws. They do have mistakes. They yep. do have random quirks and funny stuff that they do, and you know, normal yep. people. I don't like to to name drop, but one of the best things is when you're when you're lucky enough to get work and you're working. You see these people that you own CDs from, i.e., Jimmy <laughs> Spriggs or Brent Turkle. Or you know, or, or or I have like this uh, this like little tiny man that when you put in the water, it grows, and it's called uh, grow your own boyfriend. <laughs> and Deborah Boyd gave that to me, <laughs> and I was just like, that's Hong's, and that was before I met my fiance. So I was just like, oh, he's my boyfriend. Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> so I just keep I keep him like. Thanks to Deborah Boyd. Yeah. Gave yeah. me your boyfriend. So it, it just, it's really cool. It's always refreshing. And, 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 and most of the time when you're working, people are chill. I think it's like the audition period or when, you know, when you're trying to get the job that you'll, you might sense a little bit of singer tension or singer shit, as we call it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but usually when I'm working um, and they're working, everybody, it's, it's just pretty cool. We do, we are, um, we are different though because um, I used to study with Minya Dud, and she would call people that weren't opera singers civilians. And you, it, you can tell. For sure. You, can sh- you know, I could be clear across the world, and I'm like, oh, there's an opera singer right there. Twelve scarves in 103 degrees. You know, just you know. Oh, Wear their humidity mask on the airplane. Crazy. <laughs> you know, and we got our face, and you're like, you just look at each other, and you're like, yep. Uh-huh. You know, this recognition of yes, we're in the same camp, and the rest is just. You know, the civilians are out there. So there is a difference, but it's always awesome when they're just like normal. Yeah. Silly. They got potty mouth. Right. (laughs) One of the reasons that I keep this show uncensored is because, you know, people say shit in real life. I perfected swearing since seventh grade. That was the most, that was the, that and drinking coffee. I started drinking coffee at six and I perfected the art form of swearing by seventh grade because that was the only bit of rebellion. I'm the eldest of the five girls, so I have all of the rules and regulations fall upon me. Of course. So that was my sticking it to the man. Of course, never at home, but yes, in school, no one could outcuss me. Yeah, so I, I do take pride in that, you know. I, when I first started working in restaurants and bars, that was when I was really, because I went to, I went to a, a free Methodist liberal arts undergrad. You know, like guys' dorms, girls' dorms, open house hours kind of. Oh, yeah, you had no kind of structure. You had no, no so, boundaries. So when, I, uh, so when I went to work in restaurants and bartend, then there was this whole level of cursing that was introduced to me mm-hmm. that was next level. <laughs> and then I started working consistently in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, that... The restaurant stuff is nothing <laughs> in comparison. Oh no, you know, it, I, it, I was Manhattan School of Music, and I'm in, a, in the practice room, and you're gonna hear a couple of, straight out the, you know, straight out the gate, and it's not just me. It's just the, you know, uh, I've had lessons. Um, and Yann will be like, "Oh, Kitty, oh God, please don't put this on." She's like, "Oh, Kitty, for God's sake, don't fall off the 
fucking notes. And of course, she's got perfect diction. So she does a she's from she's from she grew up I think in Memphis and Arkansas. So she has perfect diction, but she, for some reason she sustains the f of the fuck. So you get the you know she doesn't half-ass it. You know, and so I, I have that on tape too. It's great. We we we've got some gems like that. But it's you know you got to drop an f bomb. I really like that word with an Irish accent. Oh, or, or, or Scottish one, yeah, with the fork. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, but it depends on him. And it's one friend of mine. It can't like a fucking ass. That, that word is just great. That just makes that's me laugh. Great. <laughs> so you, so um, you watch in Bruges. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. It is. I'm like, that's a whole. That's a whole new level. I thought I was French. I was like, what the? What kind of shit? Oh, well, you know, it took if, me a minute. If you listen to profanity around the world, though, our. Our vocabulary for profanity in the United States is small mm -hmm. in comparison. We get skipped to the credits and just go. And we just we just hit the five main words Fuck and that's you, it. Bitch. We, right, yeah. <laughs> but overseas, like I have friends that'll use whole phrases that are no. that incorporate, my you know, farm animals and parents and you know, so my fiance and I can't do I'm not gonna do it here because he'd be very upset. But he's Russian Jewish. And I, I'm hanging out with him and his friends, and they're telling me the insults. It's like a story. Yeah. Like I'm standing over your grave with white slippers or some shit. I was like, why y'all can't just say, you know, fuck you or go fuck yourself or something. Let's go with it. They do a whole thing. It's like a the right a, takedown is a paragraph. Oh, and it's and it's and, and with character arcs, storylines. Yeah. And then I say, well, teach me how to swear. And of course, I still learn how to swear a little bit. You know, I learned this. I learned the swear words for the language. That goes for the French oh, yeah. guy and all that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, no. And, and it's you know, it's mom's like, don't teach her to swear. Everybody's like, don't. We can't interrupt. They don't want to teach you the swear words. I was like, why? What's the big deal? It is like a, a straight up curse. You will die after a few of them pray. They're not messing around. No, no, it's, you know, it's a real deal. They're not yeah. messing around. So, you know, I, I, I learned a couple, but, <laughs> you know, I don't say it on here so everybody get all pissed off. You sang it wrong. <laughs> so you, you were born in Philly. I was, okay. So and then mom, moved to Detroit. I was born in Philly. My mom was in the military. Uh, some shenanigans went on, and I decided to come early. Was born there, and then uh, my family though is in Michigan, so that's where you know we just got me there. So I, I touch on Philly, but I've grown up. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are you the only musical one in your household? My sister Charity, she has a voice of steel, like. She can out sing. I'm, I'm gonna say it to the stands. She don't. She can out sing Beyonce, and my mother could sing. And my grandmother. I pretty much have my grandma's voice in her range. My uncle Tommy was fantastic, phenomenal singer. So music's in the family, but I'm the only one that um, studied it formally. Okay. You know, it's usually something you do. Yeah. You know, you go around with the voice of a god, and you're just singing in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, they just, you know, they sing in church. And that's, you know, where they stop. You yeah. Know, so. But they, clearly there's a lot of music in your family then. Yeah, yeah. And my uh, Uncle Stanley was self-taught pianist. And uh, so mu music's there, but it's just something like it's an accessory mm -hmm. in the family. It's just, and, it, and it just, they, they do it so well. My Uncle Tommy's no longer with us, but I mean, I know that he would he would fit perfectly on the Met stage because he had this squealo type of thing. And, you know, and then all of us being from the South, we don't like communicate normally. That's where you can tell we're not quite Detroit. We'll start yelling, telephone. You know, it's just the 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 nighttime voice and the evening voice. I never had it. My right. uncle didn't have it. We just were just we were naturally loud. You know, so that that was a problem. You know, but uh, it, it's it's part of family. But to pursue it professionally, and my uncle on my dad's side went to Berkeley, uh, Berkeley and I think Boston Conservatory too. So okay. Composition and I. I think also piano performance, and my aunt Angela, his wife, performance, uh, uh, piano performance. But then they just, you know, they did, they were practical. They had a beautiful family. He left me by the wayside. <laughs> to say you're pursuing music <laughs> in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> they're like, yeah, what are you really gonna do? <laughs> they're not. Hey, I, I ran into that too. Yeah. I found they're, like, they're like, all right, so, uh, and the real job comes when? And when's the money, and where's the insurance, and where's the what? 
I got that. Like, I don't know what any of those are. I'm like, I'm not coming home, Dad, because they just make me feel really bad about myself. And you start to get those canned answers, because you know what questions are going to show up. And so you have the answers prepared in as terse yeah. as possible, yeah. so it doesn't drag out. You hit them with it, and then just try and move on, and leave the room. Like, well, and, and those answers work for everyone but my nano, who <laughs> and it, you know, was a dean and all this kind of stuff. So she's an educator. She's like, mm, Cynthia, um, what are you going to do? You know, she wants complete sentences and, and all these kind of things. And, and I think until they started to speak a couple of accolades or something, then they're yeah. like, okay, okay. She can make a living, but they it was touch and go for me, <laughs> and it was just like horrible because you're like already struggling, and you're like, I, I'm an opera singer, I'm an opera singer, I really am. And, and you're going to school and you're working your temp jobs, and you're like, I'm really an opera singer. And then you go home and you're like, Yeah, what's the real job that just takes you down a few more pegs? You know? What what led you to opera specifically? Oh. Uh, like, what, what was your what was your introduction to opera? How was that? something that came up on your radar. Let me make a long story shorter. Okay, so uh, chronic asthma, my mom's an RN and a, a respiratory therapist, and she was in the military. She's pretty much an overachiever. But she, uh, I was born premature, so I had chronic asthma. She knew if I learned a woodwood instrument, that would help me with my asthma, because I was one of those kids that kept getting sick at least four to five times a year, and mm -hmm. I would have to be hospitalized for at least two weeks each time, right? Mm -hmm. So she got me into playing uh, clarinet, which there's a story behind that too, because I didn't want to play clarinet, I want to play saxophone. But she and the music teacher at the time in third grade, they lied to me and told me that it was the same fingering, so I'm still resentful and angry about that clearly. <laughs> so I was supposed to learn how to play saxophone, but I played clarinet. And then as a, a part of my rebellion, when I got to middle school, I saw that the, um, the shape of the bass clarinet looked similar to a saxophone, so I started playing bass clarinet. So I started to listen and love classical music at that point. And then I was always in a concert choir, I think from like middle school and up, and I loved, I grew up singing in, in choir. Yeah. I, you get drafted. When you're born into a, you know, African-American Baptist, you're drafted. So probably when I was four or five, I was singing chorus uh, in, in, in Baptist choirs. And, uh, but I, and, and I love popular music, of course. You know, I, Whitney Houston taught me how to sing, Anita Baker taught me how to sing. But when I heard what you could do, there was this sensation that I could use my whole instrument, not a stylized mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. for popular music. Like, side note, I love heavy metal and grunge music. Specifically, I love grunge music, alternative rock music from the 90s. Yeah. So I have the whole collection. You can't fuck with me on that. Yeah. I got all of that. But that kind of singing, unless it's like a Sarah McLaughlin or something or Tori Amos, I can't do that. <laughs> but with opera, I could use my whole thing, my whole instrument. And uh, I didn't know I wanted to get an opera until ninth grade. And my high school teacher, Mr. Wolf, who is pretty much instrumental for me being here, Mr. Larry Wolf, let me hear Leontine Price. Um, I think she was singing an aria from Adriana Lacouvre. And I said, I want to do that. And that was it, ninth grade. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. That's awesome. And then I heard Maria Callas <coughs> Tosta, and I was like, that's it. And my mom's like threatening my life at this point. Like, no, nah, you're not going to music. <laughs> and my dad's like, you could be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, but you can't go into music. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm doing what they're doing. I'm doing what they're doing. So I was set from ninth grade on. I meet a lot of people that don't know what they want to do. I always knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was in music really early. I mean, I got, <clears throat> I think my first, first paid gig, I think it was probably 17, but I didn't get into opera until I was in undergrad. Like, oh, I was, my first opera, I was 20. Into. My yeah. first role was the Count in The Marriage of Figaro. Oh, you're playing it, and I don't <coughs> want to talk to you right now. We're going to end this part of the conversation but it was, right now. My friend, was, my friend was going out for Figaro, and he's like, you should, you should do this, because I had play experience. I had done acting and that kind of thing. And he's like, you should, you should go out for the other, the other baritone role. And I was like, yeah, okay. I had no idea what was going on, like no clue whatsoever. I hadn't seen an opera at that point, much less heard like quality recordings. I had no clue what was happening. But I had taken classical voice lessons because it was required because I was a piano major. Mm -hmm. and oh, they, And they made us do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those. <laughs> Stacking I wish you had a camera to see my face because <laughs> it's just sheer disgust. And hatred and resentment. Listen, but you are singing on, an, uh, on a level that, mm -mm. that I have never achieved. Like, we'll see what's going on. Oh, shit, I got the count. 
that doesn't happen. This was undergrad. That yeah, it does. Happens to me. No, sir. No, sir. As a, as a, as a guy in the opera industry? Still into it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I, I, we're going to end this part of the conversation. <laughs> this is the part with the podcast where he went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then of course, you know, everybody heard my voice. And they're like, okay, you need to wait like 10 years before you have a career. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, so they, you got a little like, bit of leveling. Okay. Oh, there was a lot of leveling. And then I was like, well, what, what the hell do I do in the meantime? <laughs> but I will say, a lot of people told me that, you know, you might have to wait. You might have to wait, because I'm a Verdi baritone. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, you and that, yes, that's right. Like, like, you need to wait, you need to wait, you need to wait. But the first person that said it, that I actually took it to heart, like truly took it to heart, was Nico Costell. So, God bless that man. I had a blast working with him. I didn't work with him for very long, but I worked with him in a, in a yap overseas. And... You know, he was a bear in a, in a, in a master class, but one-on-one, he was just the sweetest dude on the face of the planet. sweetest guy ever in life. But, you know, he took, he took me aside, and he was like, you know, I, I know that you want to do all this big, crazy stuff right now, but you're going to need to take some time mm-hmm. because your voice isn't ready for what you want to do, yeah. nor are the, the people that will hire you for that stuff. Like, you need to just, like, just breathe. And me being super impatient, I needed to go do other things. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, you know, wandered into the media aspect while I was still doing yeah. other things yeah. in grad school and yada yada yada. But yeah, so you know, I hit it, I hit it late, and then was told to still wait. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there was there was plenty of leveling that went on there. Well, that's not he. Th- see, he's. I think he would be one of the safe people. Um, I'm not great with under, like in a master class setting. Like if I'm giving master class. I would not recommend that at this point in my life, because uh, I'm just a little too attached. But one of the things I like about what you're doing with these podcasts is what I can tell younger singers is uh, prepare yourself and know that it's not it's not you, and not to take everything that's being said to you to heart, because mm. the leveling thing is 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 serious, and sometimes it's for your own safety, someone's trying to keep you from harming your voice. And sometimes it might come from a different place. And um, I just wish, that's one of the things, I think you had this, or someone had asked me this question, what would you tell your younger self is like, look, Mignon used to tell me, Mignon Dunn used to tell me, Kitty, some people are gonna like your voice, some people are gonna hate your voice. And I couldn't wrap my head around it when she told me, and now I understand that. Yeah. And it's okay. So some people are going to give you good uh, criticism or things that you can use, mm-hmm. and some people don't. So you have to learn really early to sift through that right away and discard all the shit because it's going to be a lot of bullshit, and keep only the things you can use. Yeah. You know, and 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 I I mentioned Denise Graves. I I read an article before I talked to you that kind of saved my life too, and I still didn't understand it when I read it. What she says, you kind of have to fall in love with your voice. That's what you can work on when you're a young singer. I'm not talking about ego or some kind of inflated false thing. I'm talking about really just saying, I, knowing that you belong here, you know what you can do, you love the sound of your voice, you know it's a work in progress, and just kind of like really just, you know, being protective of your instrument. Because especially when you come here, that's one of the things I noticed. And I'm lucky. Because I can't, I started late, <laughs> so I knew what I wanted early, but I started later mm-hmm. in my life. So, um, be, and most of it's like timing and obstacles, and that's <laughs> that's my career: is timing and obstacles, <laughs> and just maneuvering through. I mean, I already I have an idea of where I'm going to go, but it's never been like a straight shot. It never is, though. Yeah, no, and I, and and that's another thing that can add stress too, because if you think that that's uh, what it's supposed to be, then you're going to be stressed out. And that happens, you know, every year. We oh, have yeah. competition season and everything. And I just wish I could have, I mean, I had an idea of this. I have an awesome dad who's a psychologist, so I get free therapy. <laughs> and I love the fact that I'm from Detroit. I love being from Michigan, where you, I don't want to say you can't take yourself seriously, but it's like, you got work to do. You know, there's no sense of entitlement. I don't mean to generalize, but that's what I love about being a Midwesterner. There's no sense of entitlement. I never came to New York, you know, uh, thinking that the world was going to bend at the hip for me. I already knew there was going to be 50 people I'm going to have to kill. 
that's in my same pocket, you know, <laughs> or compete with, you know. I, I you're already, a mess, though. <laughs> right, you know, and that's being, you know, at least I, you know, I was like, thank God I'm not because I know people. You know, but. Um, it to be 150 people. I can't, you know, I didn't come here with the expectation that, that everything was going to be handed to me. I knew I was going to have to work. That's the benefit of starting a little bit later, mm -hmm. like you were talking mm -hmm. about, where you're, like, figuring things out. When you come back to opera, it'll be because this is what you are supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, you won't be playing games. I'm so glad I didn't go to these one of these wonderful conservatories when I was, like, 19 years old. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. So... Um, I see a lot of singers that'll, that'll go to conservatories and if they don't have their head on straight yep. or if they had a lot of people with the blue sunshine up their yep. ass for a long time, then they get out into the real world yep. and it's just a shock. Oh, I see that shit here. Oh, oh that's that's great. That's You know, like I, 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 again, I go back to the upbringing. I just, I, I think to a fault, I just, they, I always say, <laughs> I'm definitely not a millennial because um, <laughs> My, uh, I, I, there's a beautiful liberty that comes with being in that generation where you just, my sisters are, are millennials. They're like, things don't have to give a shit. I came with so much. They got, I'm the last of the generation that got the guilt. <laughs> you know, the Bible guilt and all this kind of shenanigan or whatever. And you better do right or you're going to get in trouble. You know, God's going to come and get you. And I really kind of believe that for a long time. So I just, you know, I try to treat, treat people, you know, really, you know, it's important to me that I'm not uh, treating people the way I don't want to be treated. So it, it's that thing I love about my millennial generation folks is that there is no, um, I don't feel like there's a yoke. And I'm generalizing. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm saying there is this freedom to say, okay, I understand that that's what it was, but mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. It's a beauty to that. But then there's also, you, you also have to learn to be careful and learn, you know, where, you know, to maneuver through. But I feel like there's this, like my, I'm not going to tell all my BSs, but my fiance is a millennial. And it's just a, you know, one, he's a man, and, you know, he's the only child, so we got that. I love struggles and challenges. But uh, he, he's like, I don't have, he doesn't have a yoke of having to worry about what others think before he makes a decision. Yeah. Yeah, so it yeah, took yeah. me a long time, and, and, and by the grace of New York City, to teach me how to, to do that. But I'm one of those old school folks that used to just do, I was a good girl, I, had to do every, I did everything I was supposed to do, and, you know, I came and did my lessons, and did everything I was supposed to do in the master class, lost my voice, you know, just did everything <laughs> somebody told me to do, because they're the smarter person in the room, you know, and I had to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want, I, I, I would give advice like, listen to your voice, I know that sounds cliche, but listen to yourself. You have an idea of what's the best for you. Follow that first. If anything aligns with that, any advice that you get, you know, sometimes you have to just throw some shit away and figure it out yourself. Yeah. Because um, you want to make decisions because of something you feel, something that's organically within you, not because of something someone told you you're supposed to do or, some, you know, or, some, or, or all this other stuff because it doesn't really apply. Think about classes. Uh, pursuing this is there is no you do this and you do that you there is no you go into this program you go into this young artist program you go into this master's program you go into performance program you do a young artist program blah 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 you you ace this competition and then you have a career yeah it's, it's not like that and no. i've seen everyone well, do the we, right were all, thing. we were all told that yeah in school See, we that can't was, have this conversation. I'm trying to be politically correct. That now. was the this, that's, this is a nonstop ongoing conversation I have with young seniors. This is what we were told in undergraduate. We have to be careful because you know we're going to be professional. You know we're going to be professors at some time in the future. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Podcast is going to come and bite us in the butt, but it's so but important to let that shit go. If I, if I teach in conservatories, it's going to be this shit right here. I'm, which <laughs> made, but see, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to be here. I, <laughs> You better be a little nicer. I, I, I'm just going to play by my own rule. That's why I was, you know, Lord, please. But no, it's, it's totally true. There me. was an equation that we were told exists. And then when we no. got through that equation and there was nothing on the other no. side, we were all super confused. We're like, oh, we were told this. Yep. You know, it, the, I, the average rejection rate in opera right now, if you were to follow that equation, is over 97%. I was going to say, I was going to be more generous. I was going to say 90%. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's, 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 over, yes, it's, it it's about 97, 98% and if you follow that equation without networking. Mm -hmm. But if you, if, you, if you network the right way 
and you do what your voice is capable of doing, you can knock those numbers down to the 70s. And see, that's another thing, too. You're adding on this new thing. Well, it's not new. It's networking. I think it's probably always been part of the business. But it, this is some new level shit that we have to master yeah. to have to work, not just to have, like, you know, your idea of a successful career. My ideas have changed, just like my wedding ideas have changed. But my ideas have, have been altered because you see what's going on and what you were taught was completely different. I, I do have a little bit of resentment when it comes to my formal training. I have amazing professors and amazing people that came into my life and just are responsible for me being here, but there's so much of the bulk of some of the, these experiences that can be discarded mm -hmm. um, because it, you, some of it is not very useful, it's not useful information. Um, and I think if you're mindful of that when you're creating curriculums for students, then our, the curriculums, I don't think they would look exactly like they're looking now. And, and I'm not trying to get into trouble, but I think the business of singing, the networking, those are new concepts that need to be mastered right away. Absolutely. But then there's this, these, uh, these other things of understanding how um, the mental health so that you can deal with that 97% of rejection. Yeah. You know, there's a beauty to it. Once you get to this level where you've done so many auditions, where you've been told no, you know, you can use that as an opportunity to say, you know, I'm just gonna sing because I want to today. And sometimes those are few and far between, those experiences are few and far between. Yeah. So that's what you have to kind of fight for. It's, um, I have a problem with just the practical things of the curriculum where it's focusing more on art song repertoire, for instance. Um, this is perfect for training the voice. It's great. I'm, I'm, and and I am not trying to go. I have the best teachers in my life. I, you know, I studied with Bill. I, I just, I have these wonderful teachers that understand and get it. But as far as like when you're in a in a conservatory or university setting where you're learning art song repertoire and you're and you're a vocal performance person trying to go into opera performance or even musical theater for that matter. Um, the core curriculum is not very helpful, I don't think, for vocalists, so that's why I'll probably get in trouble. There needs to be a little bit more catering to our repertoire, to the people that sang it before. I used to dream about getting into ABA, where my teacher, Bill Schumann, is the teacher from. But ABA, I think, has the ideal curriculum where it's centered around voc uh, vocal performance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with the... Um, preparation of the singers they put out. It's like a machine. They're, they're ready to work. Um, say what you will about voices or what have you, but they're ready to work because the program is centered around everything they're going to need to be a successful singer. Mm. And the benefits of coming to school later, uh, my parents were like, okay, if you're gonna stick with music, we'll make a deal with you. You have to get a practical degree. If I had to do a liberal arts degree and do all these other things. And I'm so grateful for it. I am so grateful I know how to, you know, read and write. <laughs> yeah. um, I, you know, thought for a minute I would do music and anthropology, and I just, I had great professors, and I was inspired on a grand level, but I still knew exactly what I wanted to do. But by the time I got here, um, I don't know how personal we can get, but I'm, I was also a cancer survivor. So by the time I got here, I knew about time. I had lost my mom. I knew what the priority should be. I did not come to New York to play. Mm -hmm. I came to get information. And even with that, the mental health around that, um, uh, trying to build a mental health around enduring through these experiences, is a, it's a struggle. It's something that you should touch on early. You should work on it, make sure you're healthy, make sure you're exercising. I, one of my favorite singers, uh, Jacqueline Wagner, she went to school with me in Oakland, and I was singing all over the world. And she would run. So, you know, I was like, oh, I got all these friends, they work out, do all this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I mean, I didn't know that when you go to the gym, sometimes they help you with stress. I mean, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> it's like new information to me, because I, you know, I'm a nerd. I don't exercise or do any stuff, but that, all of that helps. Um, anything you can do, meditation, whatever you can do to keep your mental health under you mm -hmm. and understand that it's not you. Sometimes it's someone else's residue. Uh, someone's telling you something that worked for them that doesn't apply to you. So sometimes you got to discard that. You got to kind of really fall in love and know yourself mm -hmm. really 
and the need to hold on to that. Anything that falls outside of that, you got to let it go. I don't care if it's a teacher or anyone, you got to let it go because um, it'll save you a lot of grief. And, and they need to talk about that. And well, we're, in a, we're in a really weird position when it comes to business because we are artists and performers, which means we have to make sure that our voice is up to speed and we're performing what we should be performing and you know we're prepared to sing things at a professional level. But mm -hmm. at the same time, if we don't have management, we also <laughs> have to run a business. Yeah. Um, and we have to know what it's like to legitimately do taxes on our own, you know. This is the adult talking uh, Yeah, exactly. I'm going to step out while you <laughs> give these kids the bullet points. I don't know what you're talking about. But on top of that, you know, on top of that, you also have to be your own brand. Yeah. You have to be all of those things. Yeah. And deal with rejection and a crazy performance schedule when you have it. That's and that it, and marketing it just, thing. It, it, comes in, it comes in waves and, you know, it, that's a lot to deal with. One of my friends, um, I, I just saw her in Wicked this weekend. She was the alphabet cover for for six years mm -hmm. um, in Wicked on Broadway. And she she stepped away from the show for a little bit, did some concert stuff, and she was just covering this weekend, which is why I'm back to see her. But she recently has started, in the last year, has started setting aside certain points in the day to meditate. Yep. And she's like, I need, I don't care what, I need to step yep. aside, shut down my brain. And she said like, it has overhauled how she thinks, how she behaves, yep. because she started looking at her personal mental health as, as a big, big priority. And it's very hard to do that when you're in a big performance schedule or you're in a big rejection schedule when you're auditioning left and right and not singing what you want to sing. Like yep. taking care of your head is extremely, extremely important. It's, it's, it should be your number one thing. I mean, you should practice and then you should do whatever you need. If it's spray, whatever need works for you. You need to take jujitsu. I don't care what it is. You need to do something to get your mind right. That needs to be the, oh, not that. The high list on the priority, I think it should be number two, number one, then sing. Um, because the things that I was talking about before, about the, when we were talking about leveling and all of that, it's really not just the external world, it's how you sift through it. Mm -hmm. And if you take that moment to yourself and you get yourself centered and get your personal priorities and stick to your personal list, then you'll be able to filter all the, the sh shenanigans and the trash talking. You'll be able to, it, it, some of it won't even reach you, you know yeah. what I mean? It's if you're not centered, if you feel insecure, you know, that's another thing, preparation. What do you need to do to get to be feel prepared? If you're prepared, then you're less insecure and less, um, if someone's coming at you with a malicious intent or they're, or someone's over criticizing you or whatever is going on, it won't, you won't take it in yeah. that way. You know what I mean? You'll have that confidence and you'll have, and that's Kirsten Swan telling you how to prepare, which, <laughs> oh. <laughs> All my teachers are like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. But no, that is one of the things I've learned. The more prepared you are, uh, the more, uh, the less insecure. And also if you take that moment to meditate, I meditate uh, in the morning, 15 minutes at least. And I meditate on the train ride to wherever I'm going, wherever that is. And then I meditate before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And it's just made it, it's made a difference. At least there's those times where I, I'm not, I haven't mastered everything, but there are those times where, wait a minute, am I upset about that? Or am I upset about, just to take that moment as opposed to just losing your shit in the line at Trader Joe's. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's happening! Well, you know, that's the level of anxiety and things that have not been addressed. You've meditated, you're less apt to cuss out the people in the and Trader you, Joe's. You mentioned listening to outside sources and other voices that talk to you about stuff. And I worked with Vincent Cole for a while. Ah. He was one of my teachers for a bit. I keep, I keep, <laughs> it's a small world, man. It is a small world. <laughs> you get like one step away. Just, you know, pop in the KC, say hey. He's the sweetest guy ever. I, I really, enjoy, I, I really enjoy that man's guy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> who, who are you? But Vincent, Vincent always said, he's like, listen, there are, there, when you're a singer, there are two types of people that aren't you. Like, if you're a singer, there are two, two types of inputs you're going to take. There are people that are going to support your career, and there are people who are going to be enemies of your career. He's like, the enemy side, ignore them. Don't yep. put the negativity back into dealing with it. He goes, just ignore it. It's not worth the time. Focus on the people that support your career yep. above all. Yep. And if you can do that, it's going to help your brain so much more to recoup from rejected auditions yep. or roles that you don't get or just how you, you know, do your day to day. 
but if you can ignore the enemies, and I was like, that seems a little harsh. He's like, yeah, yeah. But, but think about it, because if you hear the negative all the time and you consistently take in the negative, yeah. it builds up. It, 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 it stacks. Yeah. And, and I, it's not worth it. No, and, and, and that's that's one of the things that the meditation, and I, I do, I, I'm, I believe in several schools of thought, and I'm, you know, I'm also, my spiritual health is, is pretty healthy with reason. And I feel like when that is clear, when you are taking that time for yourself, sometimes the negativity that you're experiencing are things that you, might be projections of how you feel. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said the preparation. If you prepare and you took care of your business and you're like, you know what, I know this. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm giving you 100%. You know? And you know you did 100%. It's not your responsibility to be attached to the result. I know that sounds crappy, but that's just, that's our, that's our life. 97% of the rejections. But that comes right back around you to know? what you said earlier of, of coming to the realization that it's not you. Mm -hmm. It's not always you that didn't get the role yeah. or the gig or whatever. There are so many other things that come into play when it comes to casting right. or getting into grad school right. or a YAP or whatever. So many things that are outside of your control. You go in, be as prepared as you can be prepared do the best that you can possibly do. And when you, like you just said, when you do that and you step back, you're like, yeah. well, I did what I could. I find for me, in my experiences, if I haven't, you know, I'm not, oh, it's so weird. I read perfectly when I'm playing clarinet, bass clarinet. I am more of a sensual musician when it comes to singing. So I have an excellent ear. I can learn music really fast by ear. Mm -hmm. When I look at it here, it just looks like it's the equivalent of my math. So um, that's the other advice, you know, do whatever you can to strengthen your theory skills. I never said that out loud. All my professors are about to send an email. I don't even know what you're talking about. But do whatever you can, but, um, but know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And uh, just all you have to do is, okay, I'm not great with reading certain things, so I'm going to have to get some help. Mm -hmm. Go and get the help you need mm -hmm. so that you can be prepared for your job day one, mm -hmm. okay? And if you've done that, there is a security that's less anxiety. Sometimes I feel like when I, what I experience negativity, when I think about it, some of it is something that, that I'm projecting or I kind of attract to myself. I'm nervous, so it makes other people nervous. Mm -hmm. So then they're going to be like, well, maybe you need more notes than this or something like that. When I'm secure and I know what's going on and I feel good, then I'm less apt to get that kind of negativity from people. So it, it, it's, it's twofold. A lot of the things are external, but if you got yourself clear, mm -hmm. then you won't, I hate to pull in the extra here, uh, you won't attract all that extra. You're going to have to be really judicious and really strict with what you take in and what you leave out. Yeah. Especially here uh, in this place, especially what we do. Uh, because you have to be sensitive. To, I feel like you have to be sensitive. You have to have a certain sensitivity level to be a great performer. I like the ones that, you know, like they have an experience they can use for that thing, and you can see that they know what they're talking about, and they are the character. They're giving me all of it. They're giving me the divorces. They're giving me all of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to have a sensitive sensitivity to be able to call upon those experiences to do your to, to to be awesome at it. I mean, for the people that I love, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe she didn't murder a kid before, but you know, you can tell she's had <laughs> angst. You know, she knows the pain of this situation and she's giving it to me on the stage. So you have to have a certain level of sensitivity, but then you need to know when to like, you know, dial it in. And you, I think med for me, meditation helps me with that to go new agey but all of that kind of whatever you need to do the yoga meditation, walking helped me i was uh studying at manhattan school of music and one of the things one of the side effects i didn't know about um chemo and um radiation is uh fatigue and i was like you know all my all you know people in my family are affiliated with the plant so in the morning, they're at work at 6. There is no fatigue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't know what fatigue is. We don't know what tired is. So I was like, what's this fatigue business? I mean, my mom fought cancer, and she still served in the military, went to work every day. Yeah. You know, she's like, I don't have time for that. She shook it off. You know, we don't know what <laughs> fatigue is. I have fatigue, and then another byproduct is, is depression. I was like, what? And I, and, and I don't mean to go along. You, you can cut this up, but 
I went to, I was going to Madhouse School of Music. I was standing in the dorm. I was on the fifth floor. I had a window facing someone else's window. Some guy who liked to cook with no shirt on and some horn rail glasses. It's going to go around. Don't worry. It's going to come back around. And I was just like depressed all the time. So I was fatigued and I was tired. I was depressed. And I remember meeting this wonderful, I think she played French horn. Her name is, is Barbara. And she's from Canada. And she told, said she suffered from sad disorder. And the Midwestern in me is like, what? <laughs> what the hell is that? And I know, you know, some bullshit. And I found out I have it. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, what the fuck is this? So I was like, you know, why am I coming home in between classes? I was just so exhausted. I would come and lay down and everything, and I would get more and more depressed. And it was one day where I said, you know what? I can lay down or I can walk till I feel better. And that's what I used. I just walked. I didn't run. I don't have to discipline. I ain't, you know, I didn't do all mm-hmm. exercise. Uh, no. I lost 30 pounds in one in, in the first two months of being here from saying, you know, I'm going to walk until I feel better. And it helped me with so many other things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, this walking thing works. Which is funny because my dad kept saying, do a 15-minute walk a day, though. I hope you do <laughs> Like, yeah, daddy, whatever. Who cares what you're you saying? He, he had some wisdom. He knows some <laughs> shit, you know. And, uh, but it actually works. Whatever you need to do to get yourself, to protect yourself, to hold yourself together, and keep going. And then also know you are not doing this by yourself. You are not crazy. You know, you're like, oh my God, it feels like shit. I didn't win this competition. Oh my God, it feels like shit. I didn't, mm -mm, mm -mm. You're not alone. Get yourself back centered and keep it moving. You know, that's, it's a good thing about coming here uh, um, older. Uh, It's starting my, I I started my formal training. Everything started late. Uh So I knew what I wanted to do. I was told no. And I did, you know, I was like, okay, I'm still figure it out. Yeah. And then I just kept going. And I think you, if you if you are meant to do it, that's the best way to do it. I think that works for relationships. I think it works for when you become a parent. I think the later you, you know, you wait, you wait till you get, get an idea of who you are, and then you get more attached to it, and you're able to put in what's, um, I don't mean to do word salad, but you're able to put in 100% and you're, you know exactly what you're here to do. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we kind of play around and do what we can do instead of doing what we should, what, we, what right. we're supposed to do, you know. That's a, that's a huge part of being, that's a, that's a huge part of undergrad for a lot of people is that do what, I, do what I'm doing because I can. Because I can. <laughs> I've got a voice of a god. I was, I was one of those ones in undergrad where I never said no to anything. So I was completely overbooked, and it hurt my grades, and you know, because I did, somebody asked for something, I did it. Can you do this? Yeah. Can you play in this? Sure. Can you sing this thing? Absolutely. And I never said no. Yeah. And it wasn't always, you know, it wasn't high profile stuff, but it was stuff that I could do and I could do well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just constantly said, yes, 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 yes. I think and that's I, the right way to go, though. I went in 900 directions, and yeah. now, now what I do, I do because I know what I can do, mm-hmm. and I know what I can do well. Yep. And there's a lot of other stuff I can't, I could possibly do, but this is what I know I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. So you know, somebody asked me the other day why I'm not on the stage anymore, and I said I'm in a unique position where all of my occupations have come to a point, and I can fill a gap in some of the education that I saw when I was in school, mm-hmm. and that I'm still seeing that people are in school. And if I can fill those gaps, then I'm literally helping perpetuate the industry. I'm helping mm-hmm. to sway the industry, steer it a little bit, mm-hmm. and and bring it to the younger demographics, which is something that everybody's been worried about since 99. They're yeah. like, what happens when we hit the 21st century? What's going to happen to opera? So I missed the stage, but I'm doing something that not only can I do, but I know I should be doing. Yep. And, and you, do it well. you know, I'm, I'm 37, so it, it kind of, it, it took a lot of rabbit trails mm-hmm. they finally led yep. back to this one but i've taken something from every little piece that i've done and now i know okay rather than doing all those little pieces all over the place mm-hmm. i'm going to do this one thing mm-hmm. and i'm going to do it like crazy yeah and do it well that's that is one of those things about having time is having experience and mm-hmm. having some wisdom I with everything age. happens <laughs> it, you know i i, I the, the for people that's freaking out, like, I didn't get in a competition circuit, and I didn't win this, and I didn't get in this young artist program like me. I, did, I, you know, I did well in some competitions, but I couldn't get into the young artist programs. I have a long list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had an emotional moment. But um, for understand, uh, someone told me this 
and they work, they're working now, and they're like, look, <laughs> people that have a career, sometimes it's because, in many, most times, and I'm experiencing this, where it's like, it's about how long you, you want to do it. Mm-hmm. How long you, you're trying to put up, put up with it. If you, if you want a career in this, there's a chance you can do it. It's just, you have to let go your preconceived notions that came when you were 22 or 24 <laughs> or 19 of, oh, I'm just going to be in first class tickets and singing all over Paris. And you, no, let that go. You want to sing, you have to, you, it's about how long you want to put up with it. Yeah. My acting professor, Carolyn Marlowe, that man, but she'll say, she said, don't, you don't do this because you love it. You do this because you have to do it. You know what I mean? If you don't have to do it, and I tell everybody, if you don't have to do it, run, do run for your life, <laughs> save yourself, save yourself, you know, get, get the hell out of here, you know. But if you have to do it, you will do it. Yeah. I, I don't mean, you know, I'm not blowing smoke, but I see a lot of people that are like, you know what, I've done, they've, they've done everything that I can dream of. They've, been, they've had all the breaks and all the stuff. And they're like, you know what, I'm, it's not, I'm not about this life. And they take, you know, they're yeah. like, you know, I'm about to go and, and, and get my, you know, and do what I want to do, you know, and they, and they get out of the business, which is very interesting to me. And I'm, it's just, um, you just met me in a time of some kind of clarity. Yeah. Because I, I, I started to let go. I'm getting to that age where I'm starting to let go of should <laughs> and what, and, and just holding on to what is. Mm-hmm. And, and. For me, like I said, I don't have a straight shot, and most careers aren't that way. The other thing is, sometimes if it takes, if, if, if you're feeling challenges, notice that if you were rejected at one thing, if you get another engagement or another opportunity, you're prepared, you're better prepared for that because of the previous rejection, mm-hmm. which to me says that maybe there were some skills you needed to acquire to get to that level. Because I also have friends that they shoot straight up. And it's like, what's happening? And it's just, you know, they just like, they, they explode because it was too fast yeah. for them to acquire everything that's necessary for them to be there, you know? I, I have a stack of friends that they did undergrad, they did grad, they did mm-hmm. gaps, they did compromario stuff, mm-hmm. and then fell off the face of the planet. Yeah, yeah. Like, they did everything in a row the way we were supposed yep. to, and then nothing. But then that's, I'm talking about people that went straight up won the top positions in the competitions, mm-hmm. won the top spots in the yaps. They get all of these, uh, the, 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 get these opportunities where they get this top role, they get right away. And a lot of, most of them are not singing anymore. So there's something to be said about, you know, dealing with the gradual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone said, just make, you, you know, whenever you get there, just make sure you're ready. And that's, that was, that's some excellent advice. Be ready. And they don't mean just be ready musically and vocally. They mean be ready mentally. You know, have your shield and your guard up. Yep. Be ready. You know, and you, you, I can't imagine that you're ready when you're 19 or 22 and sometimes not even 28. I mean, I was ready because I, <laughs> no, I'm just bullshit. No, I wasn't ready. Um, but I also noticed, like, there might be things that I missed out on and then I get an opportunity to be with a company that might have rejected me or that handful of music denied me when I first auditioned. I, I had no idea what I was doing. And I went to the auditions and my dad was like, I guess I'm supposed to sing at all these schools. I don't know what the hell's going on. Juilliard would not hear me at all. <laughs> and Julie, they have these beautiful letters. They send you these nice letters and, and, and I, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble, but, but I, I got some of those letters that the kids call the PFO letters. Mm-hmm. I got some of those old letters. I remember, I have the letter still from Julia that said, Dear Juliet, we accept a certain caliber of singer. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I was like, oh. Now, the wonderful thing about being from my family and being from Detroit, being from my house, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll be seeing you later. <laughs> In my head, my mom, you know, we don't take no for an answer. So I didn't, I didn't expect him to say, yes, Chrissy, we'll take you or what have you. So when I got that rejection, I was like, okay, I gotta figure out what else to do, get around, you know? Right. <laughs> so Manhattan School of Music denied me too. They were like, I didn't have enough um, theory. Um, I just bombed the theory. We, at that point, you had to ace the placement exams 
you had to get at least a certain level. And of course, I did not. Not in theory. I think ear training, I was fine, but theory, it's like, whoop, no. Anyway, so uh, they denied me. And so I went home and, and I, I, I was singing in this wonderful choir, Dr. Mike Mitchell. And in Oakland, I started my training there. And I had the best pedagogue who I would send every young person to her, Edith Diggory. And Mr. Wolf helped me and Marlene Plum. And so I got to get my foundation under me. So I realized if I had went to Manhattan School of Music, I also got into interlocking. I think if I got, unfortunately, my mom was terminally ill during that point, so I did not go at that, that, that time. I got a full scholarship. I thought that was going to be Hogwarts. I thought it was going to be musical Hogwarts. I was so looking forward to it. I thought we were going to be singing in the halls and holding hands. And I don't know. Let's just all do the Browns Requiem for no reason. You know, that's what I thought. Um, it didn't work out that way. So, um, by the time I went, I went to Oakland University, it's a gorgeous little, you know, liberal arts school in Michigan. And I, ha I got, I was put in a cocoon of love and and um, pure. Um, um, I'm sorry, what, what am I looking for? Like, um, they were giving me the straight information. Mm -hmm. um, I dibble and dabble with ethnomusicology. One of my the people I look up to, Mark Stone, all these ethnomusic. I just, I. I got my foundation under me. Mm -hmm. So by the time I came here, I was like, yeah, I'm just here to, <laughs> I'm not here to be the head cheerleader. I need to know what I need to know to get work. Yep. Whereas I had a lot of other people going to the Manhattan School of Music or going to Juilliard or whatever, and they're like, oh my God, I didn't get into the part, and they're having a breakdown. I'm like, you're not here to be, that's another thing, students. When you get into a program, I don't care what school it is, you're not there to be the head cheerleader. It's helpful. But you really need all the skills necessary. I'm talking to the microphone like you can look at me. You need all the skills necessary to get a job. You need to work outside. So do not be devastated if you didn't get into the play this year. <laughs> See if you can sneak in and watch what the coaches are doing. See if you can get some extra coaching. Anything you can, do that. Do not try to go in there so that you can get recognition and validation. You're not there for that. You're there to get all the information necessary to work. Mm -hmm. Anything that can help. So you, if you're lucky to get a Warren Jones, that's who you, you listen to. Everything he says, you write down everything he says, you record everything he says. If you get a million done, you listen to everything they say, you write down everything they say. Anybody who's done it, anybody who's worked in the business, you go and you pick their brain. You do whatever you can to get all the information you need. You are not there to be the head cheerleader. This is not high school. You know, it's too much money into this. Get your information necessary for you to go out and compete and get work. That's your that should be your top priority. Well said. Thanks for listening to the Opera Kids Podcast. Click on the next episode for part two with Christy Swan.